بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا ما بعد اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من قولي والعمل والفعل والنيه الهدى انك على كل شيء قدير امين يا رب العالمين Beloved brothers and sisters, dear listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has blessed us an opportunity to gather again after a few weeks of break in our programs here. And hopefully, inshallah, everyone's come back refreshed and rejuvenated. And we hope that this now next uh, group of months that we have be pretty much two months left, almost a little over two months for Ramadan. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make these uh, instrumental in preparing us for the arrival of the blessed month and all the durus that are going to be restarting now up this week. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make them all extremely beneficial for all of us, for those who are presenting, those who are attending, those who are listening, those who are uh, helping and preparing in the, uh, all of these events. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it a means of sadaqa uh, jariyah as well as a means of their salvation. Ameen. <clears throat> Inshallah, today we'll be covering from the section that, uh, of Kitab al-Riqaq, the section on the ahadith relating to those ahadith that will soften the heart. And uh, this is, you know, the hadith, the, uh, continuing on from um, uh, where I had covered from Mufti bin Haj a few months back. So this is that same section, Kitab al-Riqaq of Sahih al-Bukhari, that we are uh, reading the next hadith. <sighs> Abdul Utbah ibn Malik al-Ansari narrates, it's narrated from him. قال سمعت Utbah ibn Malik al-Ansari ثم أحد بني سالم قال قد علي رسول الله صلى فقال لن يوافي عبد يوم القيامة يقول لا إله إلا الله يبتغي به وجه الله إلا حرم الله عليه النار. Utbah ibn Malik al-Ansari رضي الله عنه was one of the men of the tribe of Banu Salim. He says, that Allah's Messenger came to me and said, if anybody comes on the day of judgment who has said La ilaha illallah sincerely with the intention to win Allah's pleasure, Allah will make the hellfire forbidden for him. So this hadith is uh, covered in greater detail in other sections of Sahih al-Bukhari. The um, aspect of Rasulullah visiting him in his home and uh, them asking him for a dua and then uh, requesting him to pray salah there, etc. So that's a lot of things happen in this incident. But the, towards the end of this uh, conversation between Rasulullah and Uthman ibn Malik is in which he mentioned this, uh, this statement. That whoever comes on the day of judgment who has said la ilaha illallah sincerely uh, with, the attend, with the intention of trying to attain Allah's pleasure, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make fire of Jahannam forbidden upon him. So, thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala making the hellfire forbidden upon a person, this is indeed the greatest achievement of man, right? This is the greatest gift of Allah and the greatest achievement of a, man, of a person. Of course, every achievement <coughs> that we have is through Allah's grace. When a person achieves great marks in college, when a person achieves a great uh, uh, promotion at the work, we say that it's his achievement, but as a believer, of course, we also believe, we definitely believe that this was a gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to him. And, uh, but he made his effort. That's what we're calling it his achievement. He made his effort, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who created the asbab and the means for him to achieve that. So if there's any achievement that is 
uh, absolutely worthy of mention, which, uh, which is absolutely unmatched, then this is that a person, his body has been made haram upon hellfire. And there's nothing that can equi be equal to that. Hence, there's nothing that can be equal to the means that will lead to that. Meaning those those a'mal and those deeds which will make a person haram upon hellfire and ha fire haram upon a human being are definitely the greatest deeds. Those are the most important deeds. And so this hadith mentions one of them. And that is the recital of la ilaha illallah. The belief in la ilaha illallah on the condition that it is connected with sincerity and proper aqidah. When a person says this kalima with proper aqidah and proper sincerity, then he will be safe from the fire of Jahannam. And la ilaha illallah is that powerful statement that for, because of it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the books. Because of it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down the prophets. And because of it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set the scales on the day of judgment. Because of it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh, set out all the proofs of his existence. And because of it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the heavens and the earth. And because of it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created mankind and jinnkind. As Allah says, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنزَ إِلَّا لِعْبُدُونَ I have not created the mankind nor jinn except for the purpose of my worship. So this aspect is very important to keep in mind that kalima la ilaha illallah said with ikhlas, there's nothing more powerful than that. We've covered before and you've heard in other durus that no one will be punished on the day of judgment. Including that individual who will come with his book of deeds in front of him. The books of sins will fill up 99 registers. Each register till the eye can see. Just sin upon sin upon sin. And in the book, in the scale of good deeds is nothing. No <coughs> eye till the, till the eye can see volumes. Just one simple piece of paper. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will order that the scales be brought and the book of deeds should be weighed. And the person, the human being will say, Ya Allah, what is the point of weighing all of this? When I already know where I belong, when I already know, when you know and I know, it's all game over. The sins definitely outweigh the good deeds. What's the point of us measuring this? But Allah Azza response will be that no one will be punished today. And that, that a piece of paper will just have La ilaha illallah written on it. When Allah Azza wa Jal will have that be placed on the scales, it says, Tarat bi sajallat, that the book, way, the book of deeds in which the sins are written in will fly off. Will fly off. And a person will be shocked. How did this fly off? What's happening over here? So the answer will be given La yasqulu, la yasqulu ma'asmallahi shayt. Nothing can outweigh the name of Allah. Nothing can be heavier than the name of Allah. And since the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was mentioned here, yani with ikhlas, this is the most powerful thing. Uh, and we cannot yani, underestimate who's got, we don't know who's got what level of ikhlas. We look at a person's situation, a person may be, in, in situations surrounded by sin. But he is resisting. You look at someone surrounded by sin. He said, man, look at this guy. But he, subhanAllah, might be light years ahead of us. 
Because although he's surrounded by major sins, he isn't falling to that temptation. While we may be surrounded by an environment of goodness, yet we may be falling, faltering, even if it means minor sins, but we're still slipping. Even though we have a very conducive, good environment. And the other individual, he has nothing, no environment. He has absolutely negative environment. Yet, his fear and love for Allah is so strong that he doesn't allow it to get to him. How many times you and I have seen people like this? You say, how are you surviving in this type of environment? No masjid in the area. No madrasa in the area. No ulama in the area. And only people are just sinning. No environment of salah. No environment of, of dhikr. How, is this, how do you survive? But there's people surviving and thriving. On the other hand, a person is surrounded by all the best opportunities. The best masajid, the best madaris, the best ulama, the best durus. But he's not benefiting from those things. What happens? So don't judge someone based on their environment where they're on. You don't know what is the condition of their iman. Maybe it's so strong that they may end up being light years ahead of us. And it is the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when said with ikhlas that is more powerful than everything. And when you travel and you, you, know, you see these things, whenever you travel you see all sorts of different people with different levels of iman which are very which is very, um, very inspiring, seriously, to see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created people of different backgrounds and different levels of iman that are in, in extremely difficult circumstances, yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is keeping them strong and alive. And meeting such people, it humbles a person. It, it makes you realize that you have no, you're nothing. I was just thinking the other day that, you know, if you have a, a few coveted, seats at a, at a ball game or in, a, in an airplane and they are at a much higher price than the rest of the seats and people are bidding to see who can purchase the next the front row seats of a, of a, of a, of a game or front row seats of, an, of a flight of a jet airplane and so if you are competing with people who don't have much money let's say people who are earning two three dollars a day and obviously we earn much more than that two three dollars a day so now you have an opportunity to say, you know, I'll pay $10 for this. I'm ready to pay $10 extra. <coughs> if you're competing with such people, there's a very good chance that you're going to win the bid and you're going to have a seat. But if you're competing with people who are making thousands a day, even if you make good, but you say, there's no way I can compete with this. You're putting a bid for 100, 200, 300. That person is putting a bid for 5,000. How are you going to compete? More than likely, you're not going to win. You're not going to get that seat. So when it comes to bidding for the... For Jannat al-Firdaus. You see that the people that you and I are competing with are, are deep-pocketed people. They have a lot. They have way more than what we think, you know, probably. There's people who are, and if a Maghrib to Isha every single day, they perform the entire time nafil, right? For one and a half hour. And each nafil of there is longer than the whole Isha sunnah and witter of ours. Each rak'ah. And they don't move. They're still, birds can come sit on their head. They won't move. Right? The bird won't even realize this person is performing nafil salah. And then there's another person, or that same individual, who spends half hour before fajr salah, in just in sujood and making dua. And that same other individual is spending 15-20% of his income in sadaqah or more. And there's another one who is doing unbelievable level of khidmah of his parents. So you're competing with people around the globe, 
who are actually very, very ahead of us in amal. And you realize, my God, how are you going to get in? You know, because there's limited spots. Yes, Allah's treasures is unlimited. But Allah Azza wa Jal, obviously He's kept this place special. So nothing besides the grace of Allah is going to get us in here. But we shouldn't, we shouldn't be relaxed is what I'm saying. We shouldn't think that subhanAllah because I have achieved XYZ in deen or I'm sitting in this dars or I'm sharing this dars, I'm ahead. I'm ahead of the game. No, we, we seem ahead, but we really we're not ahead. There are so many people who are light years ahead of us. And all across the globe, because we're not competing with people in our neighborhood. We're not competing with people in our, on our driveway. We're competing with people of the past, present, and future in this dunya. And Allah Azza wa Jalla says for regarding uh, the highest levels of Jannah, He says, Great number of people from the earlier generations and a small number of people from the latter generations. So our competition, the stakes are high. If we want to be able to be sitting in the front row <coughs> in Jannah, you and I really have to, you know, up up our game and really push harder. I ask Allah Azza wa Jalla that He allows me to do that and I ask Allah Azza wa Jalla to to allow you to do that, uh, to constantly be pushing, the, you know, pushing ourselves further in terms of our good deeds, in terms of trying to gain Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, pleasure. So this is the power of la ilaha illallah, that Allah created the entire heavens and the earth for this, Allah sent the books for this, Allah sent the angels for this, Allah sent the prophets for this, and this is something that's going to outweigh all deeds on the day of judgment. There are many ahadith that speak about um, about approximately, you know, approximately 10 that speak about the, those actions which will make a person protected from the fire of hell or more specifically that will make the fire of Jahannam haram upon him using what has been mentioned in this hadith. So let's read through those hadith. Uh, one of them is what we just read right now of Ithman bin Malik. This is narrated in different ways. For example, Ubadah ibn Samit says something similar. He says, Samitu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi Whoever testifies that there's none worthy of worship but Allah and Muhammad sallallahu is the messenger of Allah, Allah will make the fire of Jahannam haram upon him. And a narration, similar narration by Anas ibn Malik. So we understand the first way to make the fire of hell haram upon us is to recite La ilaha illallah with ikhlas and yaqeen. Number two. Action is husnul khuluqi walinul janib to have good character and to be easygoing. To have good character and to be easygoing. This hadith narrated by Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu mentioned by Imam Tirmidhi. He says, Rasulullah says, "Ala Shall I not inform you of the one upon whom the fire of hell will be made haram? And upon and shall I not inform you of that individual who will be haram upon the fire of Jahannam? Who will be haram on the fire of Jahannam? And fire of Jahannam will be haram upon them. Ala kulli qaribin hayyin sahlin. Upon every single soft, humble, easygoing man. Right? Being easygoing and to be everyone can get along with you, and whatever situation you're thrown into, you handle you handle it. You're sitting with people, you see. To sit with people who are your friends, that's easy to deal with. Because <laughs> there's nothing to deal with. You get along with each other. To be, to be with people and to be surrounded by people <coughs> who have different temperaments from you and to be able to get along with such people, that's tough. So some of us, we do very well. We swim, alhamdulillah, through us in any situation. 
with people of different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different socioeconomic status, and we get along. We know how to adjust ourselves. We make sabr. And some of us, unfortunately, don't do so well in circumstances that are not exactly what we are accustomed to. Anytime you get thrown out of that uh, comfort zone, we fail. We lose our temper. We get angry at people. We have a short fuse. All kinds of stuff starts happening. So if we have that habit, we need to work on that. We need to ensure that we are such people that wherever life takes us, no matter who we are surrounded with, we can handle ourselves properly and get along with everyone, even though they are very different from us. This is a trait we need to ask Allah Azza wa Jal to grant you us. Right. Softness and being easygoing. Number three. The third person whom Allah Azza wa will make the fire of hell haram upon is the one whose feet become dusty in the path of Allah. The Prophet said in Hadith of Bukhari, Whosoever feet become dusty in the path of Allah, Allah will make him haram on the fire of Jahannam. Another hadith, Whosoever feet become dusty in the path of Allah for even a moment from the day, for even a moment in the day, Allah Azza wa will make them haram on the fire. So it's not that Allah will make our feet haram and allow our legs burn to burn or allow our stomach to burn. No. But the thing is, you see, in order for the feet to get dusty, even the little bit of walking will make your feet dusty. In order to get your face and chest dusty, you have to really go all out. Yeah? But for the feet to get dusty, you have slippers and you walk from one side to the other of the park, your feet are going to get dusty. So it's easy to get your feet dusty. It's easiest. That's been mentioned. And through the barakah of this, something so easy, what's happening? Allah is not just making the feet haram. Allah is making your whole entire body <coughs> haram on the fire of Jahannam. This is the, the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So... Uh, now Imam Bukhari, he mentions this hadith, the which one? The hadith of whosoever's feet become dusty in the path of Allah, Allah will make it haram. He mentions it under, interestingly, under the chapter of Jumu'ah. Under the chapter of Jumu'ah. The etiquette, uh, the fada'il of Jumu'ah. What does that tell us? That according to Imam Bukhari, going for Jumu'ah salah is is Fisa Bilillah. Going to Jum'ah Salah is going in the path of Allah. How simple, man. How simple is this? Yani, mashallah, we have 1,500 brothers going on the path of Allah every, or 1,200 or 100 brothers every week here. Think how general this hadith is. But you, you should, we should realize that. We should make knee of that when we come for Jum'ah. That I'm going Fisa Bilillah. So then my, my feet get dirty through snow, sleet, dirt, filth, you know, mud, etc. Why not? Inshallah, this will be fi sabirillah. And this will become a means of getting myself protected from the fire of Jahannam, inshallah. Now there's another longer hadith I'd like to share on this same topic. Hadith related by Ibn Hibban in As-Sahih. He says, Abu, Abu Misbah al-Muqra'i says, بَيْنَمَا نَحْنُ نَسِيرُ بِأَرْضِ الرُّومِ While we were traveling, in the Roman lands with a group, with an army that was under the leadership of Malik bin Abdullah al-Khuthami. When all of a sudden, Malik, the Amir, Malik bin Abdullah, he passed by a Sahabi, Jabir bin Abdullah. 
And Jabir and Abdullah who Yamshi Yaqudu Baghlan Lahu is walking while leading his mule. He has a perfectly fine mule. But he's walking in front and the mule is behind him. So the Amir of the of this uh, battalion, Malik, told Jabir Hey Aba Abdullah. Oh Abu Abdullah, Irkab, ride your mule. فَقَدْ حَمَلَكَ اللَّهِ For indeed Allah has given you a mode of conveyance. فَقَالَ جَابِرْ أُصْلِحُ دَعْبَتِي I am allowing my camel, my, my, my mule, my animal to rest. I'm, I'm taking care of it. I'm giving it some free time to relax. وَأَسْتَغْنِي عَنْ قَوْمِ And I'm going to make myself self-sufficient from my, from my people. Meaning I'm not going to ask them for a ride. I'm going to walk. While giving rest to my animal. And then he said, Whosoever's feet <coughs> become dusty in the path of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make him haram on the fire. So Malik radiallahu anhu, uh, Malik bin Abdullah al Khuthami, he liked what Jabir radiallahu anhu said. He was impressed. So then, he kept on walking away from Jabir, or riding away from Jabir. And then he turned around, and he said, Aba Abdullah, he screamed at him. And he yelled out to him, Irkab, ride your animal. For indeed, Allah has given you an animal. What are you doing? What do you think he was doing? Anyone want to take a guess why he did this? Exactly. So others can hear. So, Aba Abdullah, Jabir radiallahu anhu, fa'arafa Jabir alivi arada bi rafi sauti. Jabir radiallahu anhu recognized why he went and raised his voice like this. So then he repeated, he said, I'm taking care of my animal, and I don't need my people. And I heard the Prophet saying, he heard it, right? He heard it. That's why he wanted him to say it. It's not the same thing of me saying it because you can say, I heard Rasulullah. I can't say that. <coughs> I could say, I heard you. But it's much more powerful for you saying, I heard Rasulullah. That's. Unbelievable. So why don't you go say it? So he said it. I heard Rasulullah say, whose ever feet become dusty in the path of Allah, Allah will make him haram on the fire of Jahannam. The people jumped off their animals. He says, We never saw on any day that many people walking as that day. Right? Because they wanted to get their reward as mentioned by this uh, in this hadith. Ajeeb. Right, the Sahaba were, that's why they were Sahaba. They're so special people. Whenever they heard something, done. Samiana watana, khalas. No questions asked. Right? It's just not about a place for us to. It's not a place to sit there and use our intellect and figure out this thing and that thing, but this is some loophole here and this is probably what he meant. No. Nabi Alaihi said, Your feet get dusty. Khalas, I want to get more dusty. I'm going to start walking. There's no, no one claiming anything that this is foolish because you want to get that ajar. When, you, when, you're, when you're hungry for ajr, you do anything. When you're hungry for ajr, like people say, when you're hungry for money, you do anything. That's what we do. That's what we see everyone does. When you're hungry for money, you do anything and everything. But what about the people who are hungry for ajr? Those are the sahaba. May Allah make you and I from them. From, the, from, from such people who are hungry for ajr. So we did so far three, three qualities that will make a person haram upon the fire of Jahannam. Number four, a salah. Related by Abu Allah anhu. He said, Rasulullah said, حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَى النَّارِ أَن تَأْكُولَ أَثَرَ السُّجُودِ 
Allah has made it haram upon the fire to eat away and burn at the places <coughs> of the body in which there are the signs and the effects of sajda. Any place on the body that's got the effect of sujood, that place the fire of Jahannam cannot burn. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned another hadith. Man hafad ala salawat al-khamsi ala wudu'iha wa mawaqeetiha wa ruku'iha wa sujoodiha Whoever is steadfast on his five daily salah. What does that mean steadfast on five daily salah? Ala wudu'iha on performing its wudu. Wa mawaqeetiha and to performing it on time. Wa ruku'iha wa sujoodiha and performing a proper nice ruku' and sajda. Yaraha haqqan lillahi alayhi and he regards it as Allah's right upon him. He doesn't think he's doing a favor upon Allah. He doesn't think he's doing any, any favor to anyone. He regards it as Allah's right upon himself. Then, he will be made haram upon the fire of Jahannam. So when a person performs salah properly, on time, with proper khushu and khudur, and he says, Ya Allah, you deserve this and much more. I'm not doing a favor to you. You've given me breathing, ability to breathe, eat and drink, digest. <coughs> You've given me so much siha and health and wealth, family, home, Everything you've given me without me deserving any of these things. Ya Allah, the least I can do is perform salah for you. With that level of humility, he prays salah properly. Allah will make him his body haram. And the athar of sujood on our face, on our hands, on our, to on our legs, all of these things. Oh, inshallah, those parts will be made haram on the fire of Jahannam. Number five. Five, fifth reason, fifth amal, fifth action, which will make a person haram upon the fire of Jahannam. Al-Muhafadha ala arba'i raka'atin qabla al-dhuhri wa arba'in ba'daha. Related by Imam Abu Dawood. On the authority of Ummah Habiba, the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, she says, I heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam saying, من حافظ على أربع ركعات Whoever is punctual on four rakah Four rakah قبل الظهر Before ظهر صلاة وأربعين بعدها In four rakah After ظهر صلاة حرمه الله على النار Allah will make him haram upon the fire of Jahannam That's it We already pray four before ظهر We already pray two after ظهر سنة مؤكدة You add another two Two rakah نفل Four and four With ظهر you do this regularly, Allah will make your body haram on the fire of Jahannam. So this is number five, that performing four rakah before and four rakah after Salat al-Dhuhr, Allah will make that person's body haram on the fire of Jahannam. Number six, ذِكْرُ wa tawhidhu عِنْدَ الْمَوْتِ To remember Allah and to, to, to testify to His oneness at the time of death. It is mentioned, from Abu Al-Az Abu Muslim that he attended, uh, that he, saw, he, he witnessed, bear witness Abu Huraira and Abu Sa'id radiallahu anhuma saying that they bear witnessed that the Prophet sallallahu said, إِذَا قَالَ الْعَبْدُ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَاللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ Let's listen to this hadith. When a believer says, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَاللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ None worthy of worship but Allah and Allah is the greatest. Allah Azawajal responds, Sadaqa abdi, my servant has spoken the truth. La ilaha illa ana, there's none worthy of worship except for me. Wa ana akbar and I am the greatest. Every time you say this, every time you say La ilaha illallah akbar, Allah says, You've spoken the truth. There is none worthy of worship except for me and I'm the greatest. 
When a person says, there's none worthy of worship but Allah alone. Allah says, my servant has spoken the truth. There's none worthy of worship except for me alone. When a person says, there's none worthy of worship but Allah and he has no partners. Allah says, my servant has spoken the truth. There's none worthy of worship except for me and I do not have any partners. When a servant says, none worthy of worship except for Allah and to him belongs the kingdom and all praise. <coughs> Allah says, abdi. My servant has spoken the truth. There's none worthy of worship except for me. Li al-mulk wa li al-hamd. To me belongs the kingdom. To me belongs all praise. And when a servant says, La ilaha illallah, there's none, no power to keep me away from sin, no strength to, to inspire me to do good, except for the power and the strength that comes from Allah. Allah says, Sadaqa abdi, my, spoken, my servant has spoken the truth. La ilaha illa ana, there's none worthy of worship except for me. And there's no power to keep you away from evil, to no strength to inspire you to do good, except for the power and strength that comes from me. Then the Prophet says, Man Whosoever has been blessed with saying these kalimat at the time of his death, the fire of Jahannam will not touch him. So being able to say the kalimat, tawheed, and the dhikr of Allah at the time of death, this is, this is it. That's the ultimate moment. That's the ultimate moment that a person should be aspiring for, should be thinking about. How will my death come to me? If I can come, if my death can come to me in a state that I'm reciting the kalima, that even if I die as the most poor person in the world, without any material things, without anything left behind for my children, I will have died as a successful individual. Even if I was disgraced in the world, even if I don't have money, even if I was sick, etc. And if this is, if the ending is what counts. If the ending, Allah forbid, is not good, <clears throat> then the, the whatever type of lifestyle we may have led beforehand will be of no benefit. Number seven. Al-Buka'u min khashyatillah. To cry from the fear of Allah. Wal-Hirasatu fi sabilillah. And to be guarding in the path of Allah. Imam Tirmidhi mentions on the authority of Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu anhumah. He says, I heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioning there are two eyes which will not be touched by the fire of hell. There will be two eyes that are not touched by the fire of hell. An eye that shed tears out of the fear of Allah. And an eye that spent the night guarding in the path of Allah. Staying guard. Guarding the Muslim army, guarding the masjid, guarding the Muslim's property. Right? Whoever is sitting there at night while everyone is sleeping, keeping guard, keeping his eyes open, he will be, his eyes will be protected from the fire of Jahannam. Yani his whole body will be protected from the fire of Jahannam. So this is number seven. Number eight. Ghaddul <clears throat> basar, lowering the gaze from haram. Imam Tabrani mentions in Mu'jab al-Kabir, on the authority of Bahz ibn Hakim, who narrates from his father, who narrates from his father, again, yani, from Bahz ibn Hakim's grandfather, that Rasulullah said, 
There are three such people whose eyes shall not see, have to see the hellfire. Whose eyes shall not have to see the hellfire. Number one, an eye that stayed awake, guarding in the path of Allah. Number two, an eye that stayed awake, that cried in tears out of the fear of Allah. Number three, a eye that that look down, protecting itself from the haram. So a gaze that was lowered from looking at haram will be that whole body will be protected from jahannam. Right? So subhanallah. Right here, these are the main things that a person. Yani doing right. You're gonna say, give me a practical things. Can I do dhikr right now? But at the time of death, what, we're not dying right now, so that doesn't apply to us. Yeah, if we do dhikr our whole life, inshallah, we'll do it then. What can I do right now? This is what you can do right now. You can lower your gaze. Pray salah on time. Pray dhuhr, the sunnah, before and after. Right? Uh, and and, and uh, go out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Etc. Now, number nine. <clears throat> the ninth reason, the ninth sabab for being protected from the fire of Jahannam and, be, and, and the fire of hell being made haram to be patient when losing a child. To be patient when losing a child. Abu Hurairah mentions that the Prophet said, لا يموت لأحد من المسلمين ثلاثة من الولد فتمسه النار إلا تحلة القسم. No person will lose three of his children. But that the fire may just touch him to fulfill the oath. Fulfill the oath. Allah says, In Surah Taha, Surah Maryam. There isn't any one of you but that he's going to enter the hellfire. You remember this? We explained this that it means that he will either just go over Jahannam, going over the, yani the Sirat. <clears throat> is that's what he's referring to. That every single person has to go over this. Then the other meaning, the more obvious meaning is that they, everyone will actually go to inside Jahannam. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Then we will give salvation to those who have taqwa, and we will leave the oppressors in it on their knees begging for help. So the fact that Allah Azza wa says we will, we will save you, the people of taqwa and then we'll leave others means that they're more than likely going inside. So this is kind of like the oath. As some have said, the wow is la wow of qasam. Wa im minkum wow of qasam. Wallahi im minkum. Wallahi, every single one of you is going to go inside the hellfire. So this hadith is saying that whoever loses three children and does, does patient and patiently handles it, then fire will not touch him except to fulfill this oath which Allah took. Meaning you'll just, for the sake of, what do you call that? Um, formality. For the sake of formality, for the sake of following the fine print. Right? <laughs> Everyone has to go towards, through Jahannam. And then you come out. But it will not be harmed. Right? It was like someone will have, like you can imagine, like a special vest will be given. 
and a person will see. Why? Because when you see people going through difficulty and then you come through your own place, you enjoy a lot more. In Hajj, may Allah take us all for Hajj, inshaAllah. I saw some great news today. I hope it's true. Let's all make dua for that. That they are going to, uh, uh, the, the Saudi ministry said that they are going to uh, allow the number of Hajjahs this year to be equivalent to pre-pandemic levels. And there's going to be no age restriction. And also that article mentioned that they're going to allow <clears throat> people from across the globe to work with um, agencies that are registered. So alhamdulillah, may Allah make this true. May Allah make this great. You know, I told the brothers going for Umrah, I said, like, what's happening with Hajj? I said, well, I don't know what's happening with Hajj. You just make du'as. It's one of the first du'as we should be making when we go for Umrah. Ya Allah, make this happen. And so inshallah, inshallah, um, this will happen within Allah Ta'ala. And so keep up... Um, Uh, you know, keep up, keep making the dua. But uh, Subhanallah, what was I saying right now? Tahillat, huh? I don't know. I was giving an example. Uh, ah, yes, <clears throat> I was saying in Mina. In Mina, when it used to be like oh no, 120, 120 degrees, 115 degrees, you're in 11 o'clock, you're hitting there. It's getting really hot inside your tent. They have AC, everything, but it's, you know, it doesn't seem to be working. If you want to know if it's working or not, you go outside. Go outside. Go do wudu. And then come back. And then you still feel hot? You still, of course not. You feel much cooler. But you say, no, I want to get a little bit colder. You want to make it a little bit colder? Then you go outside under the street. And walk to the other areas. And you will see, subhanAllah, that you have cold water and juice and coffee and tea. Lunch was served. You're sitting on a mat, a cushion with a pillow. You got an AC room. You got your phone charging there. And then you have people with their three kids, you know, begging for food, on a, sitting on a cardboard, piece of cardboard. That's it. Outside. And when a tray of food someone's carrying falls, they literally grab and rush towards it the way cats would run towards food. This is something we see every year. The leftover food from our camps, we take it outside. We try to, at least in our groups. Other people, Allahu Alam. So much leftover food. You take it, and the way, sometimes it trips, the falls over. From the ground, they start eating it up. From the street, from the dirty street, people are eating off the floor. Because they haven't eaten for so many days. Little kids. Uh, it was, yani, and then you think that, subhanAllah, how, you know, how comfortable it is. I can't, I can't forget a sight right now. You know, I was, I, was, I was transiting through Turkey for a day. And it was cold. Right now, Turkey is, is cold. But subhanAllah, I saw a mother. It was probably after 8 o'clock or something like that. Multiple mothers, multiple women. Going through garbage bags. And in front of my eyes, taking out bread. Wiping it, one after another. And one really touched my heart. Where there was a... All of them did. But one of them, she had a... Like probably a 2, 3 year old. Who was wrapped up in a blanket and was literally sucking on an empty bottle and next to her on the floor, on the street, no bed, on the street, he was on the floor, sucking an empty bottle while the mom is going through the garbage bag, picking up, you know, a small piece of bread and cleaning them. How are we going to answer Allah for the blessings we have? Wallahi. 
When you look at that, all of a sudden, then your, your mouth and our mouth should zip of anything that we want to complain about. That's the whole point. When you see people going through difficulties like this, I know you might have had a bad day at work, you may have a hard day at home, you may have issues. Who doesn't have issues? We all do. But then you see stuff like this, and you say, SubhanAllah, what are my issues in comparison to this? So I was linking this back to this ayah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to enjoy Jannah to the full. But no matter how much He gives, you know how we are human beings. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, okay, for you to really enjoy your Jannah, I want you to take a tour of Jahannam. Go take a tour of Jahannam first. Yeah, you'll be protected in this protective gear. You won't get affected by it. But you'll be able to see with your own eyes. We can't see. I'm sure none of you can watch a video of someone burning. A video of someone burning in fire. How can you watch that? You just be, be very disturbing. And this is the fire of the dunya. How can we be able to? What's going to happen? Allah forbid. When, if, you know, when our eyes fall upon the fire of Jahannam. How intimidating, scary that is. Words cannot describe it. Because the Jahannam even talks. Hal min mazid. I want more. I want more. And Jahannam will be so hot. It will get so hot. It will complain to Allah. Ya Allah, a portion of me is eating another portion. Like cannibalism. Like that. You know what I mean? Like Jahannam will be eating each, each other. Parts, parts of Jahannam will, eating, will be eating the other parts of Jahannam. So when a person sees that, then he'll get to his paradise. His appreciation and shukr and enjoyment of paradise will be much, much more. And he'll realize that if Allah's grace wasn't with me, where would I have ended up? Allahu Akbar. So you were saying, going back to this hadith, that the one who loses three children of his and does sabr, he is not going to, fire of hell will not touch him except for to fulfill the oath. Now, this aspect of being patient. The hadith, there are, there are many narrations where Rasulullah was asked by the Sahaba, what about two children? And the Prophet said, yes, even if you do two children and you remain patient, this will happen. Then one of the narrators, he asked the Sahabi, did, did anyone ask for what, one child? He says, no. He, so then the narrator, the, one of the narrators, non-Sahabi says, I think if you were to ask Rasulullah for one child, he would have said even for one child. And so the Sahabi says, yes, that is the same expectations I have as well. And this is the same husnul dhan with Allah. That if you lose three or two or one, but if you remain patient, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make fire of Jahannam haram. So this hadith is a great source of uh, what you call uh, consoling uh, for anyone who, who you know who's lost a child. Um, that happens Unfortunately, continues to happen across the globe and here, you know, people lose their children. Whether it's a childbirth or some sickness or a car accident, it's very painful to endure that. But when you have these type of hadiths, this is what's amazing. This is why I say again that um, <coughs> <coughs> That Islam is seriously the best religion. The only religion that's got an answer to every situation. That can give you the silver lining no matter how bad your situation is. That can give you hope even in your darkest moments of anyone. Anyone who's got the most darkest moment in their life. They can find amazing comfort and solace in Islam. 
the view, the message of Islam is so filled with hope. That now someone lost their child. Okay, good, done. Game over. What are you going to do now? You can't bring him life back. But why don't you share something with him? They say, listen, now if you remain patient, you can cry, but you have to watch what your tongue. If you just remain strong, Allah Azza wa Jal will make this your pathway to paradise. So Alhamdulillah, we've covered nine different nar- narrations or nine different instances in which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions the various rewards that a person will get for these actions. And from amongst those rewards is that Allah Azza wa Jal will make the fire of hell haram upon that individual. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make all of us from amongst those people who can inshallah do all of these, yani as many as possible of these things. And yes, of course, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not test us more than we can handle. So we should not ask for losing our child. There are many other ways to get to Jannah besides that, right? Uh, and one of them, simple, four rakah before Dhuhr, four rakah after Dhuhr, praying Salah on time, right? These are amazing, beautiful things. Uh, walking towards the path of Allah, every time you come towards the masjid, you make niya, you're coming for dars, make niya, you're coming for isha and the dars. This fi sabilillah, you're a talib al-ilm, all of you are tulab al-ilm, all of us are students of knowledge, you're fi sabilillah, okay? So, Snow, sleet, mud, all of that, inshallah, will fall into the same category of dust as well. You just have to have ihtisab, expectations from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, those who even enter the fire of Jahannam, remember, Allah Jalla Jalalahu will not allow the fire full authority and full power over this believer, a Muslim who enters hellfire. Rasulullah mentioned hadith. In Allah Haram Alanari and Ta'kula min Ibn Adam Awa Sujud. Allah has made it haram upon the fire to eat, to, to, to devour the limbs of sajda from the son of Adam. Even if a person enters the hellfire, the limbs that are used for sajda will be made haram for the fire of Jahal to devour and to burn. La ilaha illallah. A person cannot say this properly with yaqeen and ikhlas until he knows Allah properly. And a person cannot know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala properly until he has absolute yaqeen in this kalima. And so we need to turn to the original sources to understand the reality of this kalima and to understand the reality of Allah's greatness. What are those two original sources? The book of Allah and the sunnah and the statements of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa The first thing a person needs to remember is that when he hears la ilaha illallah, he cannot act arrogantly in front of it. And he should not feel below his dignity to humble himself in front of this kalima. Allah azza wa jalla mentions in Surah Safat, innahum kanu regarding the disbelievers, إِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ That whenever لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ was mentioned to them, يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ They used to act arrogant. وَيَقُولُونَ And they used to say, أَإِنَّنَا لَتَارِكُ آلِهَتِنَا لِشَاعِرٍ مَجْنُونَ Do you expect us to leave our gods for this mad, crazy poet? So not only did they act arrogant in front of the kalima, but they thought it, thought it was below their dignity to humble themselves in front of it. Number two, it is important for a person to know about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the, through the methods he has mentioned in his book. 
What are the methods that he mentioned in his book? One is Allah explaining who he is himself in the Quran. And one is Allah mentioning the prophets explaining who Allah is to their people. One is Allah explaining who he is himself. And one is Allah mentioning the way the prophets introduced him to their nations. <coughs> As for the prophets mentioning about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all over, Ibrahim alayhi salam, Musa alayhi salam, for example, and all the prophets. Musa alayhi salam says, Allah is the one who feeds me and gives me to drink. When I fall ill, he's the one who gives me shifa. He's the one who gives me death. He's the one who gives me life. And he's the one who I have hope that he will forgive my sins on the day of judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Musa alayhi salam who said, Allah is the one who created everything and gave every creation his method of leading his life. So many amazing stories where Musa is speaking about Allah to Fir'aun. And so all the prophets, what they how they introduced Allah is mentioned. And that's one way to, to recognize Allah. Another way we talked about is Allah introducing himself. Okay, how does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduce himself? Two ways. One is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about his names and his attributes. Who Allah alladhi la ilaha illahu ar-Rahman ar-Rahim right al-Malik al-Quddus as-Salam. Who Allah alladhi la ilaha illahu ar-Rahman ar-Rahim al-Malik al-Quddus as-Salam. Al-Mu'min who Allah alladhi la ilaha illahu so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's names are mentioned in, for example in this place of Surah Hashar but not, over, not only there how many places you see you see Al-Ghafoor Al-Rahim Al-Rahman Al-Rahim Nabi'ibadi tell my servants Anni Al-Ghafoor Al-Rahim that I'm the most forgiving the most merciful and my punishment is a very painful punishment. So you see all of these things mentioned in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describing who he is himself. All over. All over the Quran. And then Allah Jalla Jalaluhu mentions his creation. And you say, wow. His creation is just so amazing. Today, we're, I was you know, while flying in this morning, looking at the clouds, looking at dawn, you know, true dawn. It was such a beautiful sight, subhanAllah, before Fajr traveling and uh, seeing the, the scene of the skies before the sun rises, high up in the air. And then you look at the various types of clouds. And this is, when you're flying through clouds, right? All of us have gone fly through clouds. Like, what, what's going on? What is this? What am I flying through? This is flying through one of the powerful signs of Allah. Really. It's just amazing. And Allah talks about it in the Quran. What does He say? He says, Alam tara anna Allah used ji sahaba. Talking about clouds, you may have heard on, on Twitter and people are talking about it that, oh, Makkah is turning green. Did you read about this? 
Believe it or not, I was in the taxi or the bus. I myself saw this. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mention anything to anyone. It just like I was like, okay, maybe it's just me or whatever. I'm, I literally, I literally saw it green, like mountains, seriously green. I saw that myself right now, but I didn't, I didn't make any comment about it. I was just like, okay, maybe this is how it was, and I'm not sure. Then I'm seeing everyone talking about it online, like what's going on. So how this is one of the signs of the hour. Yeah, why not? All the other signs are coming. This is going to be there too. How the rivers will, uh, will start flowing. The Arabia will return back to being a land of greenery and land of flowing waters. So um, these interesting things are definitely happening. Things are, it's a lot of rain there also. A lot of rain. Uh, I was asking the locals there. I said, man, you know, every, we were in Haram in Mecca. I mean, it was just rain most of the time. In, we were leaving in Medina too. Packed. Have you seen pictures out of it? You know, the, any, even a small amount of rain, everything gets flooded, right? Everything. <coughs> the train stopped working because the electricity went out. The buses stopped. Everything stops. It goes stands, you know. And then you also saw people in their cars going up uh, in the mountains. We saw hundreds of cars. And I said, what's going on over here? People sitting in their pickup trucks driving to the mountain with their families just to go enjoy the rain. To sit out. This is their picnic. This is the happiest day, right? So, um, so why is it? Why is it? This is such an advanced country. So much billions are being spent. Why do you? Why does everything get flooded up? You have five, ten minutes, ten minutes of rain, everything's flooding up. It's because it never used to rain before. This is a new concept. This level of raining, you know, is just something that wasn't there before. While while the rest of the world is suffering a drought, what's happening over here? Tons of rain. SubhanAllah, it's just a really interesting phenomena, right? That's happening. So we're talking about clouds. Let's look at the Quran, what Allah says. Allah used Sahaba, Surah Nur. Do you not see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used Ji Sahaba? How he pulls the clouds. From class. Remember this? Ta'lif. Then he joins these clouds. And then he he makes them pile up on top of one another. So you see, you have these clouds that are, uh, you know, uh, hundreds of meters high. Okay? And then you see rain pouring out of there. Okay, then. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then sends down from the sky such clouds, such rain from such clouds that look as huge as mountains. Don't they? Clouds looking like mountains. They've got hail in it. Allah allows this hail to hit whoever He wants. And He turns this hail away from whoever He wants. Have you seen golf-sized balls of hail? I've seen that in the Haram. I really thought, the, not this trip, previous trips, I thought the glass would break. It was just so scary. It was in the hotel room. And, and it was hitting the hotel glass so hard. Seriously like a golf ball. I was like, is this going to, you know, what's going to happen over here? Allah Azza wa Jal is saying that I allow this golf ball, I mean, this, this, this uh, um, hail to hit whoever I want and then turn it away from whoever I wants. And the strength of the lightning is so strong. The lightning, uh, what you call the, the light of the lightning bolt is that it will almost make you blind. Allah is the one who changes night into day. Meaning it's dark night, but when the lightning strikes, it becomes more bright than, it, than day. And the brightest day in the clouds come in and they become as dark as the darkest night. 
Indeed, there is great science for those who have intelligence and who have foresight. So let's just look at this one, one ayah in which Allah speaks about one creation called the clouds. What happened over here? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions four opposites things together. Number one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that He brings water to assist whoever He loves. And He also brings bolts of lightning in it to destroy whoever He wishes. And you know, water and fire don't come together. But Allah has gathered them together in these clouds. And then, when these clouds pile up upon one another, what happens? They're able to block the nur of the sun and the nur of the mount of the moon and the nur of the stars. And people begin end up in the dark, complete dark. However, when Allah wishes a bolt of lightning strikes and comes from, from the heavens, that ends up being more powerful and gives off more light than the sun. So what happened? Nur and Dhulma, light and darkness that do not gather together, Allah gathered them together in one place. And so this is the Qudra of Allah. He's bringing fire and water, darkness and light together from one makhluk. Subhanallah. So when a person studies this, studies the phenomena of nature from the Qur'an, and how, and number two, speak, listens and ponders over how Allah describes Himself, your yaqeen in Allah will increase. And when you study how Allah mentions how the prophets introduced Him to their nations, your conviction in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increases. <coughs> when you, when, at that time, then you will say, La ilaha illallah. That's when you'll say with ikhlas that there is seriously none worthy of worship but Allah. That's when you will be impressed and you will see the dil And from your bottom of your heart, you'll say, La ilaha illallah. So just by saying, La ilaha illallah, without our, without our heart being focused, will not give you the desired benefit. What is the desired benefit that's mentioned in this hadith that we've been talking about since the beginning? Being protected from fire of Jahannam. That's going to happen with a little bit of focus. A little focus. So that is why, beloved brothers and sisters, daily dhikr of La ilaha illallah is important. Hundred times, at least, morning and evening, La ilaha illallah. But when you say La ilaha illallah, think about your life. Think about nature. Thinking, think about Allah's greatness mentioned in the Quran. Think about Allah's greatness mentioned by the Prophet Think about Allah's greatness mentioned by any scholar's talk that you have heard. Think about Allah's greatness that you have witnessed in the way things have happened in your life. SubhanAllah. Every day there's a sign. Every day there's a sign. Nothing happens haphazardly. We just need to see it. We just need to be able to witness it. Once you start witnessing it, then your appreciation of Allah will increase in your heart. And we ask Allah to give us the sweetness of Iman and give us the true conviction in La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah And may He make us from amongst the thakirin, those who remember Allah profusely. And may He make us from amongst those who have conviction in the kalima the way we ought to have. Ameen al-Bil-Alameen. Let us make a few minutes of dhikr inshaAllah now. And tomorrow inshaAllah we'll be continuing, we'll be starting a new tafsir. This is tafsir of Surah Al-Mu'minun. Qad aflaha al-Mu'minun. Insha'Allah, it'll be great if you read up a little bit before you come. That'll be very enjoyable for you. If you read up in any English tafsir or whatever tafsir, Arabic, Urdu, before we come, to, before we come and we take notes, this will inshallah help us 
uh, gain a better appreciation of the verses that we'll be covering. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah 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 Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Sallallahu ala Muhammad 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 sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Astaghfirullah, 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 astaghfirullah Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah Astaghfirullah, 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 Allah, please, Ya Allah, we ask you to grant us the ability to put it into practice immediately. Oh Allah, we ask you to make us wrongs those who propagate what we hear. Oh Allah, make us wrongs those who are du'at, who are proper da'is towards the deen, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, cre create within all of us the shawq and the raqba and the desire to follow the deen 100%. And create within us, Ya Allah, create for us the means to be able to fulfill that, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, make our progeny and our children, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, steadfast on the deen, Ya Allah. Make them steadfast on the deen, Ya Allah. Make them steadfast on the deen, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, protect us and our families and our loved ones. Many and all attacks of shaitan and nafsi, ya Allah. Allah grant all of us shifa from any and all physical, spiritual, emotional, mental illnesses, ya Allah. Subhanahu rabbika rabbil izzatim masifun. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.